your Bibles, please, to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number 4. The difficult thing in preaching from this book of the Bible is that there is so much that that could be said, it's hard to leave some things unsaid. Last week we talked about the matter of growth and the Lord willing for the next few weeks, if I've got it all right in my mind, we're going to be talking about things related to our spiritual progress. And uh, I don't think I could speak on that subject without dealing with this issue that we're going to talk about here this morning. Nehemiah. Chapter number 4, verse number 10 is our text this morning. And Judah said, The strength of the bears of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. Now remember that Israel has been 70 long years in captivity in Babylon. Now they're finally allowed to return to their homeland and to rebuild what had been destroyed. That was a great opportunity. But there were also many obstacles and much opposition. So there wasn't anything easy about it. And Nehemiah's mission was to rebuild the wall. Now when I when I say that was his mission, understand that he is in a position of leadership. He's the one that is overseeing this. And uh, so he's the man in charge. And, and a great deal depended upon him and his leadership in this time of need. When we think about the walls around the city, we're talking about something of great importance because it is the thing that gives security to the people. And so with that freedom now to rebuild the walls, he, he initiated the program with prayer. He ignored the threats of the enemies, which were many, and he organized the people. But notice that before this project could be completed, that there was rubbish that needed to be removed. And that's what he's talking about here in verse number 10. Uh, remember the walls had already been broken down. The gates had been burned with fire. Seventy years of rubbish has accumulated over this period of time. No doubt every day as they saw that rubbish there, it reminded them of their defeat. But verse 6 says the people had a mind to work. And so with the freedom to rebuild, they go to work under the leadership of a very capable leader. But in order to be able to continue the work, because this is the halfway point when we get down here to verse number 10, they've already started. Half the wall has been already finished, but there's work to be done, and the rubbish has to be Remove. This is a crucial time. You see, it's always easy to start a project or a ministry, but it's a whole different ball game to finish what you start. We can look back over the years and think about this ministry or this 
project or whatever we start, you know, and boy, it's all great guns. Everybody's excited about it. But after a while, the new wears off and we grow weary and all of a sudden we're facing opposition and difficulties. And so we just, you know, we, well, we just let the work go unfinished. And that, that is where they're at. And this is a crucial time. And I believe in this ancient story we see some very important lessons for us today because just as there was rubbish of different sizes, shapes, and sorts to be removed in that day, I'm afraid a lot of times there is rubbish that accumulates in our life that hinders us from finishing the work that God intends for us to do. Now, to make this really simple, I want to divide it up into two parts. I want you to think about the account that's given, and I'm going to talk briefly about that so you'll understand what was going on in that day. But after we talk about the account, I want to focus on the application that we make to ourselves. So let's look at the account as it's given as to what transpired in that day. In the first three verses, we find the reproach of their foes. Verse 1 says, It came to pass that when Sanballat heard, now he was the governor of, of Samaria, opposed to the rebuilding of the walls. And whenever he heard we built the walls, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And so here we find them, first of all, mocking them, and then later we find them literally assaulting them. They are determined that they're going to stop the building of the walls any way they possibly can. And so that was, that was one situation they had to deal with. That was the opposition. But in addition to the opposition were the obstacles, and that's what he's talking about in verse number 10, the accumulation of all of the rubble around there. And I want you to notice that Judah, notice Judah, and this is speaking specifically of those of that particular tribe of Israel. This is not Nehemiah speaking. It's Judah who makes this statement He said the strength of the bearers of burden is decayed. In other words, they're tired, they're weary. Remember, the wall is half built, and uh, he says everybody is tired, and notice, and there is much rubbish, so we're not able. It's almost a suggestion that maybe we ought to stop right where we are and not go any further than this. We'll just, you know, we'll just quit. This is a good time to just... Leave it undone. We're, we're all tired. Now, uh, in the first place, he was stating the obvious. Absolutely everybody there could see the rubbish. I, I mean, he's not telling them anything that anybody didn't know. And they see piles of it everywhere. And so he's stating the obvious, and he's doing so at a time when it wasn't necessary. Why in the world would you bring up some subject like that at this particular time? This is whenever the enemy is doing all they can to discourage the people. 
Why would you bring this up when everybody can see exactly what is going on? You see, a lot of times there are people that mean well, maybe, and yet they, you know, they say something. Remember, this is a fact. What he is stating is a fact, but the fact of the matter is it didn't benefit anyone really for him to, to make the statement. It no doubt only fed into the discouragement that some some had experienced. By the way, we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about some of this tonight in the announcements. I'm gonna I started this morning to raise this issue and, and, and there's so many times that people maybe they mean well but they'll say things that prove to be a detriment to the welfare of the church. No, I'm just gonna say it. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me say this, and I'm so glad I don't know who I'm talking about. Now, that makes it a lot easier because I don't have a name. But here, here some time ago, when a baby was crying just before the baptismal service, and if this is true, and I state that because I didn't hear it, it comes from a reliable source. If this is true, somebody... Somebody told this mother and the father sitting there, first time they've ever been here, by the way, but the people with them are coming with the intent of coming back to this church and rejoining this church. And somebody says to them, would you please take the baby out? The baby is we're disturbing the service. We're getting ready to have a baptismal service, and we don't need that distraction, something to those words. Now, let me tell you, I don't care how well you meant, you just, you just ran off about three families in making that statement. Let me tell you something else. If there is a correction that needs to be made, I'll do it. That's not your place. Or I'll instruct our ushers to take care of it. And as I've said before, those crying babies don't bother me. It's the kids that you parents don't correct that's crawling under the seats and around and the, and the ones getting up three and four times during the service. That's what bothers me and everybody else. And that ought to stop. Now I'm saying all that to, for, for, for a, I think a good reason and I think it's appropriate for what's going on here. Judah might have said, well, oh my, I didn't mean anything by it, but all he is doing is dragging down the spirit of the people. Look at all of this rubbish. But let's not forget there's some truth to what this man said. There's all this rubbish that does need to be removed. And so they resolved to remove the rubbish. And we look on down that you could call this a New Year resolution. We see what they did. Verse 9, they committed to prayer. Verse number 9 again, there was continuous watching. They had their eye on the enemy. Remember the old saying, you know, trust in God and keep the powder dry. And that's kind of what you've got to do. It's kind of like having a sword in one hand and a Bible in the other. So they've got their eye on the enemy. They've got a sword in one hand and a, and a tool of some sort in the other hand. And they're working and ready to go to war if necessary. Then we see in verse number 14, they had confidence in God's presence. 
They said, the Lord's with us. The Lord is able. In other words, we're going to get this job finished. They continued the work, even in the face of great danger. Now, all of this is a very interesting story when we think back on the leadership of Nehemiah and the willingness of the people to work. But if we don't make an application, if we don't in some way personalize this, we haven't really gained a thing. We need to get down where old J. Vernon McGee used to say where the rubber meets the road, and we're right down where we live. So there's some lessons we learn from this. For one thing, the first thing that jumps out at me is the fact that the offense of sin can affect us for a lifetime. You know, what you do by way of sinning might just last a matter of minutes, but it could affect you for the rest of your life. They've been in captivity for 70 years. Think about that. Many of the people that at the time of their of their capture, many of them were just children. In fact, some of them were not even born yet. Seventy long years in captivity as a result of what? Sin against God. We need to take that into consideration. Boy, you know, so many times something in the world will look so very attractive to us, you better, you better stop and consider what it might cost you and what it might cost others. The offense of sin can haunt you for the rest of your life. Not only that, but opportunities sometimes come along only once in a lifetime. All of a sudden, after 70 years, they've got the green light now to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. And let me tell you, not all of them wanted to go back. Some of them had grown comfortable where they were in captivity. They'd rather stay there, and they did. They didn't want to go back. They didn't want to rebuild. Oh, thank God some of them did because they realized that we have an opportunity right here, right now, that we might never have again. We better capitalize on it. And we need to think about that every day of our life and in everything we do as a church and as individuals, that whenever opportunities are open up, we better jump on it right now. Because if we delay... It might never come our way again. Then we see that opposition can be expected. That's very clear from this story. It's very clear throughout all of the Bible. Jesus even said, A man's enemy shall be they of his own household. When you set out to determine to serve God, there are going to be people that are going to oppose you. It's going to happen, like it or not. Somebody says, well, I'm afraid if I become a Christian, I have to leave all of my old friends. No, they'll leave you. You get serious about serving God, they 
we'll leave you. I didn't have to leave any of my old friends when I got saved, my drinking buddies, all of that bunch. I didn't have to leave them. They left me. They didn't want anything to do with me. I was that crazy guy who wanted to pray before he ate. I was that crazy guy, you know, didn't want to go out and have any drinks, you see. And so they're the ones that left. There always be opposition whenever you want to do something for God, and that's what they're facing here. But not only will there be opposition, and this is where we're going to camp out, there are obstacles that must be removed. They had to remove the rubbish before they could continue on in the work. The rubbish was blocking the path, as it were. Sometimes there's rubbish in our life that blocks our path. In other words, there are things, and it might be different things for different people. For someone, it might be a matter of disobedience to God. Doesn't make, listen, it doesn't make any difference in what area of your life you're disobeying God. The very fact that you're disobeying God is rubbish. It's something that's going to hinder you. It might be a sin of commission. Something you're doing that you shouldn't do. It might be a sin of omission. You're sinning against God because there's something God wants you to do and you're not doing it. And you're sinning against God. It might have to do with a matter of your attitude. It's not so much what you're doing or not doing. It's the attitude that you have about it. But it's all disobedience to God, and that's rubbish that we need to get out of our life before we can finish the work God's given us to do. For some, it might be doubting God. You know, it's real easy for us to look at someone that's disobeying God, and, you know, we think to ourselves how horrible, how terrible that is, that, that they would disobey the commands of God. The God who loved them so much that He gave His only begotten Son, and to think they would disobey Him, or they, I tell you, you gotta be a dirty, rotten rascal to disobey God. But they don't think anything about the fact that they doubt God. You see, the Bible, the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. I don't care how much you do for God, how much you give to God, or whatever else you do. Without faith in God, you can't please God. And if there is doubt that's dragging you down and holding you back, that is rubbish that needs to be removed out of your life. And the good thing about it, it's something you can do something about because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There's some people that got a problem with worry and fretting and anxiety and all of that simply because of their doubt of God, their lack of faith in God, and they don't show up at church half the time and wonder why they don't have any great faith in God. It's because the Word of God builds faith in God. Maybe your rubbish has to do with your disrespect for other people. Starts in the home, by the way. Disrespect for other people. Is rubbish that needs to be removed. It might have to do with guilt. If the truth is known, there are some here that maybe for years you've been dragging around a guilty conscience because there's something in your life that you know is not right. And so far, you've refused to deal with it. 
So far, you are of the opinion that if I just ignore it, nobody knows about it, so if I just ignore it, eventually I'll get over it and it won't bother me. And it robs you of your peace, it robs you of your joy, it robs you of your ability to have a clean conscience before God, and it's rubbish in your life that needs to be removed. It might be fear. It might be bitterness. You'd be surprised how many people are bitter towards someone over something that happened 20, 30 years ago, and they've never gotten over it. You need to get past the past. Because until you do, listen, until you do, you'll never be able to accomplish what God wants in your life. So for some, it might be that the rubbish is the matter of unforgiveness. You're not only bitter about it, you're not willing to forgive those that sinned against you. Boy, you break the very bridge that you have to cross over yourself when you do that. How can we as Christians not forgive others when we have been forgiven so much? It might have to do with worry, a covetous spirit, a jealous attitude. I mean, the list goes on and on and on for... For you, it's one thing. For somebody else, it's something else. But it's rubbish that is accumulated in your life. And listen, it doesn't so matter so much what it is as where it is. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter so much what it is. Of all of the things I just listed, it's not a matter of what size, what shape, what sort it is. That's not the issue. Because it's all problematic. It's where it is. It's standing before you, between you, and what God wants to accomplish in your life. And you can pretend that it doesn't exist, but it's still there. Mary Baker Eddy, you know, she taught her followers that, you know, that people don't really die. It's just, you know... I remember what old Dr. Noel Smith said years ago. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said one day that old gal quit breathing. They took her to the cemetery and dug a hole, put her in it, and throwed six foot of dirt in her face. I'd just soon be dead as being in a shape like that. <laughs> well, me too. The fact of the matter is, you know, the fact of the matter is facts are facts. And just pretending something isn't real doesn't change it. I mean, can you imagine what if Judah says, look, we've got all of this rubbish that's in the way. We're only half finished. The people are tired. We don't want to go on. We don't want to finish the project. What if Nehemiah had said something like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't don't see any rubbish out there. We'll just have a positive attitude and we'll just imagine that it doesn't exist. You can use your imagination all you want, but the rubbish is still there. And so pretending that rubbish isn't in your life, that unforgiving spirit, that bitterness, that jealousy, that worry, whatever it is, pretending it's not there is not going to help you one bit. It's an obstacle that's going to cause us to stumble. It's going to cause us to fall. It's going to block our way. It's going to impede our progress. Listen, it's more than just something that is unsightly 
It's something that's a genuine hindrance, and getting rid of it is essential in our lives. Sometimes we sing that old song, Nothing Between My Soul and My Savior. How many of you know that song? Nothing Between My Soul and My Savior. I'm afraid a lot of folks, when they sing that, are singing a lie because there's a lot of stuff between them and their Savior. They allow things into their life. They have this rubbish in their life that breaks their communion with God. It blocks their their progress in what God would have them to do. And they'll never be able to complete God's will for their life until that rubbish is removed. And whatever it is, it has to go. Sometimes we don't realize it, but even sinless things can become sinful. Do you realize that? Paul dealt with it when he was talking to the Corinthians about this matter of eating meat that had been offered up to idols. And some of the folks, you know, they were super spiritual. And you see, back in those days after they had offered up this meat to idols, why, whatever was left over, they'd take to the shambles. That was the marketplace. And they'd take it down there and they'd sell it. Or they'd have a Texas-sized barbecue and invite everybody, come on over. Got all this meat left over. Y'all come on over, you know, and we'll just, we'll have a hold down and chow down and just enjoy ourselves. And so some of the Christians, you know, they thought, well, my... I'm not worshiping these idols. There's not anything wrong with that meat. I think I'll go over and enjoy a good meal. And boy, the others got all bent out of shape about it. And so the Apostle Paul had to deal with that issue. And he affirmed the fact there's nothing wrong with the meat itself. That's not a problem. But he said, if in the eating of that meat, if it makes my brother to offend, I'll eat no meat while the world standeth. Now, now, what he is saying is, look, in and of itself, this is something that is sinless. Not anything wrong with it. But something becomes wrong with the activity whenever it becomes a roadblock to someone else's progress. When it keeps them away from God. And let me tell you, that same principle is true in every area of our lives because so many times we allow sinless things to become sinful. That's why Paul said to Timothy, No man that warreth, that is, he's an army uh, guy, he's in, in the army, he's fighting, he, he's a soldier. And he says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. And the reason he doesn't is because, as he explained, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, you know, we've, we've got folks here today, a lot of folks that have been in the military. And whenever you're in the military, everything is according to their schedule, Right? Whenever you're in the whenever you're in the military, you know you you can't have these little side jobs, and you you can't have one agenda that conflicts with their agenda. You you know you tell the sergeant, well, I know this is what you told me to do, but I've got a good lead on where I can sell some insurance to somebody, and you know it's going to take me a few hours before I can get back to my assignment here. That's not going to fly there. 
Because if you're in the army, look, you cannot allow yourself to become entangled in all of the affairs of this life, even though those things are sinless in and of themselves. And I think we see the same thing when Paul said in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, talking about running the race of the Christian life, he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Now, there are two different things there. There's the weight and there's the sin. We all understand that we ought to get rid of the sin because it's going to drag us down and hold us back. We're not going to win the race with sin in our life, but he says also the weight. And the weight is that which is going to keep you from giving your very best effort. And he says, lay it aside. You know, sometimes we forget that although salvation is free, thank God it is. I mean, you stop and think about it. If you had to work your way to heaven, how could you ever know whether you were going or not? Because how much work would it take? How would you know if you ever worked hard enough to get into heaven? How would you know if you earned a spot there? You, you could never know. Salvation is free. It doesn't cost you anything, but discipleship will cost you everything. We forget that far too often. Jesus said, you know, if we're going to be His disciple, we've got to what? We've got to be willing to forsake all. And I mean, he, he, he even said that in comparison to our love for Him, it, as, it, it is as though it's hatred for members of our own family. That we can't put our mother or our father or anyone else ahead of Him. And whenever you stop and look at it, and let me put it this way, when we talk about getting rid of the rubbish that blocks our path of duty, It's all rubbish. It's all rubbish. Anything, anyone that keeps you from doing the will of God for your life, it's rubbish in your life. It's an obstacle. It's a hindrance. And that's exactly what Paul had in mind whenever over in Philippians chapter number 3 and Here we think about this great apostle that had accomplished so much, made a name for himself. And notice what he says in verse 7, But what things were gain to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss Of all things, here it is, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That's pretty strong language. I could, I could really turn some heads by getting up here and putting it in modern day language. (laughs) I mean, isn't it amazing though I get up there and use one of those crude words and everybody would be so offended and yet it has exactly the same meaning as what Paul is saying right here. It's just a pile of cow dung. We'll dignify it. You got the message? He said all of this stuff. Now remember, 
what he's talking about are things that had been gained to him. Things that in his mind were profitable to him. And he says all of those things are just like dung in, in, in comparison. This is the key. In comparison to Christ, it's all rubble. It's all stuff that I cannot afford to let get in my way. And let me tell you folks, whenever we get serious about serving God, everything else receives a lower ranking. Doing His will becomes our number one priority. Pleasing Him becomes our greatest prize. So why in the world would we hold on to something that's holding us back? Why in the world would we keep something that is worthless when it's going to cost us something of eternal value? Why in the world would we ignore something that's going to hinder our pursuit of God's will for our life? And knowing that we have pleased Him, I've often said the one thing above everything that I want to hear is to hear Jesus say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'll tell you that's that's it's all any of us need in order to in order to be rewarded for what we've done. I want to make this really simple. Whatever it is that bends your will away from the Word of God, whatever it is that breaks your fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever it is that will broaden your love for the things of this world, that will block your spiritual progress, that will blast away your chance for success, that will beckon you to desert your post of duty, blacken your testimony, and the list goes on and on and on. Anything that does that is rubbish that we need to remove out of our life. I, I, I think what, what we really need, and in fact I almost entitled the message A Fresh Start by a Clean Heart. You see, here we are just having crossed the threshold into the new year. A lot of folks no doubt are thinking about New Year's resolutions, a fresh start, getting their life back on track. We need to think about that. But a lot of times what we really need is just a spiritual cleansing. We used to call it, you know, spring cleaning. You know, nowadays we have garage sales and uh, got to get rid of all of this stuff. We didn't aim for it to accumulate, but some way it just happens over a period of time. Some of us are on the verge of being hoarders. We just, you know, can't throw any. Don't look over at Bev. I don't. I'm, I'm afraid to look over. She's not. She's not. I, I am the hoarder. I, she said something just recently about about my closet, and I, I said, yeah, I know. I need to, <laughs> I need to clean it out, and, and and I really do. But listen to me. Have you ever seen that show, Hoarders? 
Oh, man. I can't believe some of the things I've seen on there. I, I, I don't even want to start describing it. It's not only unsightly, it is unhealthy. I don't know how some of those people live. Uh, Disease-ridden homes like that. Let me tell you, that is a perfect picture of the hearts of a lot of people today. They've got all of this stuff that they have accumulated, and it's nothing more than rubbish. Now listen, it might be well and good otherwise, but it becomes rubbish because it's a hindrance. You say you can exhaust yourself working with the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the PTA, or anything else that in and of itself it's fine and dandy, but, but, it's dragging you down. It's keeping you back from the things that God would have you to do. And now your schedule is full, your energy is drained, your load is heavy, your funds is low, your joy is gone. Well, you just feel like Judah when he said, well, we're tired, we might as well quit. Now that wasn't the solution. The solution is to get rid of the rubble, to get the rubbish out, whatever it is, And you are allowing that rubbish to rob you of the reward that God wants for your life. Be a good time to come to an old-fashioned altar of prayer and just say, Lord, there's going to be a spiritual house cleaning here today. I'm just going to bear my heart, confess every sin that I can think of. I just want to unload. I want to get all of this rubbish out of my life. And I'm going to get up and walk out of here knowing that I've got a clean slate. That I'm on good standing. You'll be amazed how you'll be invigorated, as it were, by just knowing that when you sing, nothing between my soul and my Savior that it's really true. Having a clear conscience before God. Can you think of anything in your life this morning that is rubbish that needs to be removed? If it's rubbish, it needs to be removed, by the way. But can you think of any? Probably, right? Let me put it another way. Is anybody here that can't think of anything? Raise your hand. I want to, I want to invite you to preach next week. <laughs> anybody that cannot think of any rubbish? Well, the next question is pretty obvious. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to leave it there? Or are you going to get rid of it? What do you think you ought to do? You know the answer to that, don't you? Do the right thing. Remove the rubbish. Let's stand. Father, it is so amazing how that in spite of our faults and our failures, in spite of all of the rubbish that accumulates in our life, in spite of our bad attitude and everything else, that you just keep on blessing. 
And Lord, I confess I don't understand how you could be so good when we are most of the time so bad. I don't understand it, but I know how to explain it. I know it's all because of your grace. Grace that gives us what we need instead of what we deserve. Heavenly Father, there are good people here today that maybe they haven't done anything that that society would classify as bad, horrible, or terrible. They've just got so wrapped up in other things. They've accumulated all of this rust in their life to the point that they're so tired and weary that they feel like they just can't go on doing the things you want them to do. God, help us to unload that heavy burden here today and to leave here with a firm resolve that we will allow nothing to come between our soul and our Savior. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. While we sing together. And you can come to Him just like you are. You can't be too bad to come to the Lord. That's true. Regardless of who you are or what you've done, how awful and terrible it is, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But listen, you can't be too bad, but you can be too late. You can be too late. Even whenever David committed that horrible sin against God and God forgave him, he confessed it, but he was too late to save the baby. You see what I'm saying? What you do just might affect you and someone else for the rest of your life. Don't make the wrong choice. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you, there's absolutely nothing in this world you need more than Jesus He shed His precious blood on the cross at Calvary. He died for your sins. He took your place. And He's willing to forgive you, wipe the slate clean, give you a new heart, a new start, make you a new person if you'll trust Him this morning. We're praying that you'll do that. And if you're here and God is speaking to you about something, it might be baptism, church membership, I don't know what it is. But if God is urging you to do something Please don't put it off. Do it while you have the opportunity. Tim, let's sing another verse of this song and